Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, brought to you by Campbell's new chunky spicy soup. It's time to get fired up. Um, not that much to get fired up in terms of this game. The Raptors lose 119 to 95. They come against a team in Cleveland who have now won 16 of their last 17 games. Like, just take that in for a second. 16 of their last 17 games. A really, really impressive group. And, you know, they didn't even feel like they have a dominant player. They just operated really well. Didn't make many mistakes. They, they burned you whenever the Raptors were, you know, um, made a lot of mistakes defensively, on, especially on that end. And then, yeah, I mean, on the other end, for the Cavs, it's very hard to score on this team. Um, Raptors, just generally speaking, I mean, 95 points, especially nowadays in the league, when teams are averaging, straight up averaging 120 a game, 95 is like, I don't know, you, you put that 10 years ago, this is like if the Raptors finish with like 70 points kind of thing. Like, it, it's, it's really difficult to see them only muster this amount. But at the same time, the Cavs are, especially as a function of the way they build the roster, they do a really good job of taking away the paint. They take a really good job of taking away the basket, and they play really hard on top of that. And, you know, Raptors just really struggle with that. I mean, you know, uh, for example, R.J. Barrett I thought was like a bellwether for this whole game. Um, R.J. has been excellent since coming to the Raptors, consistently getting downhill, able to, you know, attack off triple handoffs, attack in transition. Very rarely is he just attacking on his own, um, you know, and just like starting his own momentum, but the ball swings to him, and it's got a bit of a – Slight momentum, that .5 basketball that Darko likes to play, and they consistently get RJ towards the basket. And you just rarely saw those moments tonight, and even in the moments that he did, he had to finish over the top of, like, Jared Allen or Evan Mobley. And you saw a lot of Raptors complaining about foul calls in this one. That's usually a sign of a really good defense when, um, yeah, multiple players are complaining about foul calls. Trust me, it wasn't the refs in this one. Um, it was the fact that the Cavs just locked down in the paint. And of course, against a defense like that, you're going to need a lot of perimeter scoring to sort of make up for it. And the Raptors just didn't quite get that. If, you know, without, for example, RJ's ability to score around the basket and slash, probably need some, you know, guard scoring, especially from a guy like Emmanuel Quickly. But I thought Quickly, not only did he not take that many opportunities to attack, but even the opportunities that he did take, um, you know, turned down some really good looks for three. Again, Darko talked about it. He's on record saying multiple times he wants quickly to take 10 threes in a game, especially in a game against the Cavs where, you know, if you don't make some threes, you're probably going to, you know, not have a chance to keep up with them. And he only took four. And I made two, which is good. But I think to me what it says is he's selective with these things. And when he does to get downhill, you know, it's mostly a floater. It's mostly a banker. Um, I would say that sometimes he's, like, for, uh, avoiding the contact in certain ways too. And, yeah, I mean, overall you just needed much more of a scoring output from quickly. Um, you know, it wasn't that big of a game from Garland either. His opposite in this game, Garland only had 11 points on uh, 4 of 11 shooting and with eight threes. We've seen him certainly do a lot more than that against the Raptors in the past. But um, still, you need it quickly to really, really pick up the scoring. You didn't see that from him. Uh, you needed Gary, for example, to really pick up the scoring, and he had another really quiet night. I'll talk more about Gary in a second because he had a couple plays that just were really not ideal um, in terms of just decision-making. But also, I think for, for the Raptors, like, at least in this game, the stating moments came from Scotty Barnes, who was aggressive all night. I think there must be something to this idea of, like, when he sees Evan Mobley, he really wants to attack, right? Because, you know, th these are two guys who obviously have known each other a lot coming up um, in the USA basketball program. Um, they were directly linked in the draft three and four, right? 
And then, of course, you saw those two compete in a very, very close Rookie of the Year race that Scotty narrowly won by, like, a few votes. And I think in the years since, I think maybe last year people would have taken Mobley over Scotty. This year, I think definitely people were taking Scotty over Mobley. Scotty's the first guy in his rookie class and the only guy in his rookie class to make All-Star. Um, and Mobley's had, had an injury-prone season, and also he's been in and out of the, the game. But nevertheless, I'm, I'm not even talking about their accolades. I'm just talking about when they meet up against each other. They really want to get at each other. Scotty was aggressive from start to finish, looking for scoring, looking for the playmaking, and played an awesome game. I mean, in, in terms of anybody who didn't feel like they were too affected by Cleveland's defense, especially by Cleveland's interior defense, that was Scotty Barnes. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 9 of 15 shooting from the field. Only made one three, but didn't really, like, force threes or, or not even settle for threes. You know, there's a certain rhythm. Like, for example, I would want quickly to hunt for threes more, and I want Scotty sometimes to settle for threes less. Um, but Scotty was aggressive, really aggressive, one-on-one trying to score against Mobley, and a lot of times he was successful, more so than when Mobley was trying to go one-on-one against him. Mobley mostly a lob catcher in this one, which is fine. Like, it's, 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 it's a totally valid way to score to catch lobs. Um, but, you know, I think with Scotty, you saw the, the individual shot creation that I think just gives them a little bit bigger of an edge offensively. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Scotty was making that impact and consistently putting pressure on the paint, kicking out. Again, the Raptors didn't really shoot the three at all well tonight. Last game, they only made 10. This one, they only made nine. Nine for 31. That's just not going to cut it against the Cavs team who didn't shoot the three at an elite level, but, you know, they still made 14. So, there's a big gap to make up for on that front. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think without that level of scoring, you just needed to see something else from the Raptors to, you know, potentially, you know, get over the top here and, and be competitive. You were hoping to see some of that lift from the second unit, which never really came. Um, you know, I think Grady, for example, was able to have a good game, and he's kind of the exception here. He, made, he had 14 points, and he had a number of highlights. Which was great. Like, it was really great. And I'm going to circle back to Grady. But I think for the second unit when they came in, right now, I think I'm just willing to give them the, the benefit of the doubt here because second unit came in and, and they just kind of like threw the ball around. And there was a lot of miscommunications, which totally happens. Like, you look at the second unit right now, it's Grady who hasn't played a lot in, in, in the season. He's only come back recently in the rotation and he's actually looked really solid and strong. Again, I'll circle back to him. But other than that, it's Bruce Brown, who arrived in the trade, um, you know, a month ago, or I guess three weeks ago, three weeks. How long has it been since Pascal was traded? I guess a month ago. Um, and he still looks like he's settling in. I mean, I think overall he takes shots out of rhythm and things like pull-up threes and, and these, like, contested drives on weird angles. I just don't think that those are good shots in general. But he brings an element of wildness. Maybe just in his game overall, it feels like a lot of gambling. And then I think on the other end um, – what you saw was Kelly Olenek and uh, you saw Ochai Okbaji making their Raptors debuts. And, of course, that's awesome. Like, and, and I think Kelly eventually settled in because that's who he is. He's always going to be a guy who's going to be a cool head and he's going to make some really crafty plays. And you saw that immediately here. But even in his first stint, he threw the ball away a couple of times and, you know, a lot of breakdowns defensively. And then Okbaji, he actually came in and, and, and got a nice cut for an and one and, and, and you know, scored another drive, but ultimately I thought he was out of sync as well and he couldn't really knock down the threes, um, which is a, a big part of his game to be able to catch a shoot from three. It was over five from three. And then, of course, the unfamiliarity with the whole group just defensively I thought hurt. So, you know, were you really expecting to compete against the Cavaliers team that, once again, is the hottest team in the league, 16 of 17 now? 
um, playing with a healthy roster, with a team that is experienced and they really know how to do it, and also, let's be honest, with better players, no, probably not. Probably not. So I think when you put that aside, I think you want to just look at the individual things in terms of long-term or at least developmentally or maybe even the short-term what the Raptors should improve. So I think, again, the most important part of every game is just tracking the progress of Scotty, and I thought this was one of Scotty's, you know, probably top five games of the season, I would say, especially on the offensive end. He was just everywhere. Um, you know, again, just when he take, turns his head down and, and tries to get towards the basket, he just does a lot of great things. But he also had a couple of good screen assists as well. Like he had a nice uh, play where Kelly had the ball at the top and um, Scotty was on the wing and he came up to receive the ball, but instead he stopped, set a, a screen for Agbaji cutting downhill and uh, that created a, a lob for Kelly to throw to Ochai, and the Cavs ended up having to foul because they were a step behind on that kind of play. So even little things like that where Scotty's screening was creating assists, but he was also in the post, you know, one-on-one scoring was, was there for him, you know, that little half-spin, bank shot, all that kind of stuff, he was, he, was, he was clicking, and he was also making really good cross-court passes too. So I think the level of engagement and everything like that from Scotty, I know it's a big talking point. Sometimes he's inconsistent. This one, he was consistently really good. So no complaints whatsoever for Scotty Barnes. And again, I love the fight and I love the competitiveness that he shows against Evan Mobley each time. If you want to just look at individual matchups, and I know this is lame to do after a 24-point loss, which obviously, you know, is, is the whole goal here. But if you look at the individual matchups, it's 24, 10, and 10 for Scotty on 9 of 15 shooting. And it's 17 points on 7 of 13, which like at least three of those are lobs. Uh, 11 rebounds, three assists. You know, I, I think there was like a... At least he won his individual matchup. Now, I think the other aspects, um, you know, I thought Jakob, Jakob's been on a really good run, so it, it sucks to see him lose the matchup to Allen like this. Jakob's had some pretty good games against the Cavs in the past, um, and I think on this one you probably just wanted to see him play stronger. I mean, Allen plays a similar game to Jakob in a way, especially now that Allen is more looking for his offense now, but he was just stronger going to the hoop. Um, Jakob missed a couple of bunnies which was important. I think Allen was, you know, playing through contact a lot better and was stronger on his drives. He was able to finish better. Um, 18 points, 15 rebounds, six offensive as well. The activity was stronger from him as compared to a guy like Yak. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, Yak's been on a really good run. He usually has a size advantage, and, of course, that he uses that well. This one, he just didn't have it against Allen. I, I think, I don't know. This is it's TBD, really. I mean, if, if, if Jakob actually won the matchup against Allen, I think that this game would have been a lot closer, but Jakob would have had to had a repeat of what he did last night, which was like super efficient, six blocks, makes a whole, pretty much everything around the basket. He didn't have that type of game. Gary, so there was a stretch there for Gary, which, I mean, I'm laughing now because I guess I'm not too concerned necessarily about the results each every single night in the way that I was prior to all the moves where they've pivoted in this direction. But there was a stretch there for Gary in the third quarter where it was the Raptors got to stop and they, I think Scotty dug out the rebound and kicked it ahead to Gary right away. It was a, it was a good sequence because the Raptors are now on a three-on-one fast break with only Max Struess as the last man back for Cleveland. And Gary, instead of getting it back to the middle, maybe getting, you know, getting it back or whatever, he instead tries to take it one-on-one, even though it was a three-on-one fast break, and tries to take it strong against Struess. Missed a shot after the bump. Struess was there with the verticality. And RJ tried to get there for the putback. He couldn't finish that either. Maybe that he had a more of a claim for a foul on that one that wasn't called. But the Cavs ultimately ripped down the rebound. And it's like, you know, immediately you miss on that opportunity. So a couple plays later in the same quarter, uh, the Raptors 
you know, work the ball on one side of the floor. They swing it to the left side where Gary was. He was at the, the left break at the three-point line. And he caught the pass. And I think Garland, who is, you know, the Cleveland's smallest defender, weakest defender, was rotating, was helping slightly off of Gary. But he committed fully to a closeout. And Gary shot the three, maybe kind of kicked a leg out or whatever, tries to draw some contact. Mostly he missed the three, which is the thing that, that burns. But it looks even weirder when Gary, after, like, trying to draw the contact on the foul, fell over to try to maybe sell the foul and then just laid there on the floor for, like, a solid three, four seconds, kind of doing like, an, like a, you know, when you, <laughs> you, like, when you make a snowman, when you make a snow angel in, in, the, uh, in the snow, just kind of, like, literally in that sprawled position back on, 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 the, pit, on, the, on the court. And, uh, yeah, he did not get back in transition. The Cavs scored in transition. And you knew exactly what was going to happen. Darko called timeout and immediately subbed him out, and, and, and he did not come back in the rest of the game. So that was a tough stretch for Gary. You also saw a lot of open opportunities for him who he just couldn't convert. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just a couple of bad reads, really. And, and that's, might, that, might all, that might be all it takes, right, because he's not going to have the ball all that much. He's primarily on the game to score. He's not really creating. He's not really defending at a, at a high-impact level. So what you need from him is to make really good decisions and be super efficient offensively, and he just wasn't that tonight. And, of course, I, I don't – I don't know how you explain the fact that he just made a snow angel randomly on the court. That was weird. Um, I think for RJ, this game was really important just to see a test of, like, okay, if the other team is really well designed to take away the one thing that you do really well, which is slash, and they do have a really great job of protecting the basket. I mean, Cleveland's, like, already, if not the best defense in the league, like, right there for best defense in the league, and especially they're the best defense in the league at protecting the basket with their bigs. So in a game like that, can RJ still be effective? And I think in this one, the answer is kind of, you know, a sharp no. Like you compare to the last game, for example, um, where RJ was able to, you know, he had seven assists. He also was super efficient, like nine of 14 from the field. Tonight, five of 14 from the field um, and only one assist. And I think that's, you know, indicative of the fact that he just couldn't get downhill and, and put that pressure on the paint the, the way he typically would. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's not like his individual matchup was too difficult for him to elude, but the help defense was consistently there for Cleveland right at the basket, and RJ just couldn't really get at him. They were also dropping on him, like going under screens and everything like that when he had the ball in pick-and-roll situations, and that's where you see the lack of shooting um, come in. RJ is very much a spotty shooter. I mean, he, he tried a, a couple catch-and-shoots, and he couldn't knock those down, but only took two threes, and this isn't a game where they were, like, going under screens and stuff, so... I think that also speaks to just the overall, like, hesitance, you know, to actually shoot that three. So that's another part of his game that you think that um, needs to grow. So, I mean, we, we've seen lots of positive stretches for RJ. So this is not saying that, you know, he's so limited. But at the current moment, you saw a bad matchup, and this is what a bad matchup looks like for him. So at that point, it's just up to him to find ways to counter, right? Um, still find other ways to sort of get downhill. I mean, I don't really have a – issue with him, you know, finding ways to, to be in a position to score. He cuts well. He moves well without the ball. Um, but that's where the shooting is going to need to come in because if he actually not had a couple threes, he would have created a lot more space for himself and his teammates, and that would have made the offense look a lot better. So informative game for R.J. Bear. For quickly, look, I, I think offensively he just – he it's kind of similar to what he had in previous games where he's kind of a little bit up and down, right? Some games he gives himself that permission to attack. Some games he doesn't. And I think for him, like, the mindset should be come in and when you catch the ball, look to attack first, look to score first, and 
you know, the rest kind of will follow. Like tonight, I thought he probably could have hunted the threes a lot more. I think if he had a do-over on some of these plays, he probably would have taken the three rather than trying to do his little, like, shifty, like, in-and-out kind of dribbles and, and getting to the mid-range. The thing is, I'm cool with that shiftiness. If you're going to make the next pass after forcing them rotation, getting someone an even better look, or if you get all the way to the basket, and I'm fine with pretty much anybody shooting good shots at the basket, but he doesn't really do that, right? He kind of goes in between, and then he kind of shoots like runners and floaters, trying to avoid the contact again. I don't know. Like, either play towards the contact or, or just, like, try your very best to score and, and put yourself in the best positions. Saw a lot of in-between for quickly, and it just kind of looked like a really hesitant, indecisive game. Defensively, I mean, he was, he was fine. I, I just don't think he's been a plus defensively in, in most games. So that's, that's tough. But, again, his, his value is going to come on offense. And tonight, only 10 points, uh, four assists on 4-10 shooting, only four threes shot. Like, just not enough of an offensive impact. He's got to find ways to create that offensive impact. And I think it starts with him looking to score uh, first. And now when you go to the second unit, um, I thought Kelly really came in and uh, struggled at his first stint. But as the game went on, he really settled in. I think what was interesting to watch from Kelly – well, number one, he got a great ovation from the crowd, right? I mean, everyone is familiar with Kelly here. You know, he's literally Captain Canada, as in captain of the Canadian national team, him and Dwight Powell. Um, everyone knows who Kelly is, right? So, of course, he got a great ovation, got a great reception, and I know he's really happy to be here. Uh, I even caught up with him a little bit before the game, just shake his hand and just tell him welcome home and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, yeah, he just had a grin the whole entire time. And, um, yeah, and you, you could tell that he was really buzzing for his debut, which is something that he's always worked towards. People didn't know the story. I mean, again, his his mom worked with the Raptors. His dad worked with the Raptors. Like, guy was born in Scarborough. I know he also grew up in BC and everything like that. So he's not just a Torontonian, but, like, still, like, I, I know this is such a big thing for him. Uh, in any case, the first stint was a little, was a little you know, shaky. But as he settled in, what was interesting was, like, okay, you immediately see that there's a way he's able to get the ball and just direct the play, right? There's, you know, the bigger parts is, like, he's a spacing five, so the Raptors played a lot with him at the five. You even saw a lot in the fourth quarter, even though Jakob wasn't necessarily bad and, and Jakob's been playing really well, but you saw Darko close with small ball and small ball offensively with, uh, with, with Kelly at the five. And, of course, it's easier to play small ball when you're down and you want to make up more points on, on, on make up the gap. You want to lean more into your offense versus like, let's say you're trying to protect the big lead. You might want to go with more defense and clearly Yaka provides more defense, but Kelly with the small ball five looks really spaced it out. Um, you know, a bit of a movement shooter as well. Sometimes you see him at the top of the floor. Sometimes you see him in the corners. He knocked down a three in the corner. He did most of his assisting from the top of the floor. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see Scotty play with a small ball five. That's something that uh, when we interviewed Bobby Webster, on Friday, Raptors general manager, which was a really informative interview. Um, go listen to that if you haven't already. But one of the things we were talking about with Bobby was Bobby's bringing up the idea that Scotty hasn't really played with a small ball five like that. So you have the floor fully spaced. You have another guy who can handle and distribute if you need to and an outlet if you need to reset. But generally speaking, you give this more space for Scotty to attack. And I liked it. I liked a lot of those looks with, um, with uh, Kelly uh, space in the floor and, and Scotty making, you know, plays. And that doesn't, again, have to be like the Lucas style. He has the bottom run, clears out, and all that kind of stuff. Like, we know Scotty's on a level of individual score, but the involvement, the way he's able to cut through the lane, the way he's able to, you know, operate and, and attack and get downhill, make the next pass, those things were all really good. And I like this, I like seeing those small ball looks with uh, Kelly at the five. It, it, it does create a totally different geometry on the court 
when they're operating. I, I think one of the things that hurt it is, again, he played a lot with Bruce Brown, and Bruce has had some really good games as a Raptor, but he's also had some really bad ones, and this one was a really, really tough one. Two points, minus 21, one of five from the field, 0 of two from three, barely rebounding the ball, didn't really affect the game defensively, didn't really play make. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I, I hope he settles in into a role, at least for the remainder of the season, because obviously the Raptors have failed to make the trade for him at least just yet in terms of just like sending him to the next team but in the meantime it just looked a little awkward and I and I for me I just hope that I'm not saying he got to be less aggressive with the offense but less aggressive with the initial initiation like pushing in transition fine cutting cut as much as you want like cut as hard as you want um if the play breaks down you want to get the ball I mean I don't even, I don't see him like an end of shot clock crater anyway but you know, if you want to take take over, then that's fine. But like, there's like moments in the game where he'll try to take a pull up three, or he'll try to like attack a closeout and really, really drive it and shoot it at odd angles. I just I don't really see it as an efficient way to play. It, it feels like more gambles where it's like if you get hot, then maybe you change the game. But still, I, I just don't feel like he's making the right reads out there. So hopefully, um, there is a more balanced way for him to operate in the group because I do think he can succeed here. Like I think the system is going to be well for him, um, but. Right now, it feels like he's playing outside the system in certain moments. You didn't see much Jante, which is not a surprise. When Kelly comes, you know, to the lineup, you know, he's going to be third string center. So you only saw garbage time. Abaji, you know, I think defensively, that's his, that's his specialty, right? So he's not just going to instantly come in and just lock in defensively. Like nobody does that. He he hasn't even had a practice with the team yet. He got in. Uh, he got traded on Thursday. The game, you know, took place on Friday. He couldn't play in that one. He was available, but he wasn't able to play. Then this one, he, he's able to make the debut. Like, I mean, they probably had a walkthrough before the game, but, like, that's it. That's all he's got so far. There's no way he knows the tendencies of all his teammates and all that kind of stuff. So hard to just, like, come in and just play shutdown defense. Saw him, like, at the point of attack. Again, like, I got to see more of it, to be honest. Um, it can't just a, a judge off of that. I think offensively, I mean, look, he, he, there, there are certain advantages he has, right? When, he, when, he, when you're throwing him lobs as a guy who's 6'4", like, he's probably the smallest guy we've thrown lobs to since, like, Norman Powell. And he kind of has a little bit of that, that same kind of pop and that kind of build as a guy who, I would say he's more shooting guard size than small forward size, but he's so cut, he's so lean. Like, I was watching him do his warm-ups, for example, and he finished his warm-up with a dunk, which is pretty normal. A lot of players finish their warm-ups with a dunk. And he, like, <laughs> he stepped up. I don't even think he actually, like, had any momentum. He was, like, just under the basket with a couple of assistant coaches and instantly rose up for, like, a, like a big windmill dunk. <laughs> and he was, like... Yeah, he, he's got effortless bounce. So that's, that part's nice. Um, and, you, you, of course, you see him, people throwing him lobs or you, you see him, like, cutting back door for and once and all that kind of stuff. Those are all good. I think offensively you definitely need to see him, in addition to doing that, also knock down the threes. It's nothing that, you know, groundbreaker or new. He's more of a limited player right now. If you ask him to create off the dribble, he, I mean, he had one pull-up jumper at the end there, but that was also in garbage time. So let's just take that out. Ultimately, I think that's what's going to determine his efficiency overall as a, as a player. Like, if he could be, like, I don't know, a more athletic Danny Green, that would be kind of awesome. And also early young Danny Green was quite athletic, too, i got to say. But, um, you know, we'll see how he settles in. He immediately got into the rotation. And then Grady, finally we got to Grady. Grady was the other positive along with Scotty in this one. Grady, I thought, was – I mean, first off, <laughs> he looks way more confident shooting the threes now. Um, you know, he's shooting them in, in ways that – you know, in last game, for example, he's like pump faking, leaning, and then throwing it up. The, today, his first three made was, you know, off a baseline out of bounds play. They inbounded to Grady. Grady cut towards the strong side corner, caught the ball, fading into the corner 
almost out of bounds and threw the three up and he still made it. Looks more confident. I mean, he's even making more threes just watching the warm up and everything like that. I think pretty much what everyone said to start the season, he slowed down a little bit more. So he's not rushing to every single shot and it's creating more consistent like opportunities. And you're starting to see the, the sharp shooting from him. And of course, once he knocks down some threes, now other people are going to close out harder at him. And he's always been able to make good plays off of these closeouts, right? So you've seen him uh, early in the season, you know, making the next passes out. You've seen him like uh, cut middle, you know, and then, uh, you know, swing and make the next, you know, opportunities, all that kind of stuff. He's, he's been doing a good job of that. But you haven't necessarily seen him attack the closeout and actually try to finish at the hoop until more recently where, again, his confidence, his physicality, whatever it needed to come up has come up more. And you saw, for example, in that Pelicans game where he had 20, um, he was able to get himself to the basket with just a little pump fakes and show and goes and stuff like that. And today, probably his most impressive drive of the entire season where Kelly threw him a cross-court pass from the top. The, his defender and Isaac Okoro did cheat off him a little bit. So Okoro had to close out hard to, to again, because Grady's a really big threat to shoot nowadays. Grady pump faked that, got past Okoro on the initial closeout, and then Evan Mobley was under the basket helping. And I'm thinking, well... You're kind of done here, kid. But instead, he's like, no, don't worry. I'm going to get up in the air. I'm going to show the ball and then go with a windmill up and under to finish on the reverse side around the shot blocker and getting the conversion to drop. I mean, it was actually a really, really impressive move. And I think to me, it just says that there are other things that he can do, you know, but it's all contingent on him shooting and making the threes. And you're starting to see that now. I mean, he, he's, he's not just in a hot stretch. He probably is, a, you know, a bit in that. But it's not just a case of, like, variance. I think he's playing more confident, and, you know, he's almost taking his time with just a little bit more with the shot. And I think it's leading to him getting much better results. Again, you're seeing, you know, again, that he's a shooting specialist. Four of eight tonight, three of six from three. Got fouled on a three as well. Again, it's just an instance of him running a good route, getting a step on his man and forcing his man to close out in a desperate way. Boom, you get the foul call. Easy free throws. He's been great on those. So, I mean, I wouldn't look too much at the minus 22. I just thought he played a really good game. And, uh, yeah, so really the last thing to do is the three stars. Before before I get there, I just want to bring you a message from our sponsor. Are you ready to get fired up for the next game? Nothing helps more than a bowl of Campbell's new chunky, spicy chicken noodle soup. So let me tell you, it's got tons of seasoned chicken, veggies, and noodles, all in a tasty, spicy broth. So it'll fill you up and get you fired up. So take your day to the next level and see if you can handle the heat with the new chunky, spicy chicken noodle soup. All right, so your three stars to wrap up this performance against the Cavaliers. Your first star, obviously there's no, um, no mystery here. It's Scotty Barnes, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 9 of 15 shooting from the field, 35 minutes, played really well. Um, and again, I love it. If he, if, he, if he looked at every defender the way he looks at Evan Mobley, we would have like an all-NBA player by next season. I'm serious. <laughs> he, uh, but I love that he has that gear. I don't love that again. He did the no. He did the no like contest uh, wave off. Like you know what I mean. When he's late for the three, he just looks at a guy and he waves him off and he turns around. He did that to Mobley and Mobley actually did knock down one of his threes. So still, yeah. I mean whatever. It's just a personal pet peeve maybe. But you know, just close out. That's all. But overall, pretty good game. Um, I'm gonna give the second starter Grady. 14 points, like I mentioned, you know, um, did a good job making shots, making good reads, drew, drew a foul, really efficient game for him. And defensively, I thought he actually did okay. Like, it wasn't like, he, you know, he was shutting guys down, but he, I thought he did a decent job um, and wasn't exploited that much. And then your third star, honestly, I think I'm going to give the third star to Kelly. I, I like Kelly a lot in this one. Um, you know, impacted the game in a variety of ways, took a charge on Mobley, 
uh, had a steal, took it end-to-end for a layup through contact, um, had a nice play where he pretended to dribble a handoff, sold it, and then cut back door instead with the ball and was able to score it at the basket again through contact. The spacing element that he brought, I mean, even though he only took two threes, I thought he just spaced the floor really well for the team, organized them. Even small things, like I noticed one point the Raptors uh, forced a jump ball um, after the Cavs had, you know, challenged something and it was successful, but there was no clear possession in terms of whatever. So, um, you know, they're just organizing for the jump ball. And Kelly was already on the court, like, telling guys where to be, like, hey, make sure you're here. And he turned to the next guy, make sure you're here, make sure you're here. He just, like, looked around at everybody, put them in the right positions, kind of like a little double check. And him and Bruce Brown were also doing it. Bruce Brown was, like, kind of doing it from the other perspective because he was looking one way. Bruce was kind of looking back the other way. So they were kind of covering for each other. But just that little bit of veteran's presence of just, like, immediately getting in the game and organizing was nice. And uh, I think the Raptors actually won the jump ball, too. But still, Kelly, 11 points. Six rebounds, three assists, three steals, a block on his debut. Unfortunately, the Raptors lost, but, I mean, I mean I, you can already tell you're going to love watching Kelly Olenek play basketball for the team. He's a very crafty player and, by all me accounts, a really nice guy, too. But, um, yeah, in terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, I mean, I don't even know where you go with Cleveland. Again, they were just so solid across the board. Raptors did a good job of shutting down uh, Mitchell, but at the same time, they got a great job finding Allen on the rolls. Evan Mobley, you know, did some scoring as well, which was a surprise. For once, um, Struess, you know, cut around and, and you know, Struess has always had some good games against the Raptors. He's actually mad annoying to play against. But, like, 17 for Mobley, 18 for Allen, 11 for Garland, 15 for Mitchell, 14 for Struess. Niang comes off the bench for 13, 12 for Coro, 13 for Lavert. Like, damn. Like, that's eight guys in double figures. So, really balanced effort. But if I had to say one guy that kind of burned me, I would probably say Lavert. Lavert played a really good game for them off the bench. And, uh, you know, that's that kind of dynamic, creative, on-ball creator that you would typically see from a secondary unit guy. But I feel like, like I feel like um, LeVert was actually playing really good defense as compared to the times I've seen him in the past, too. So, um, yeah, credit to him. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to The Raptor Show. And, uh, yeah, you've been listening to The Raptors Reaction Podcast, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. <laughs>